was a dud and harry was just a rich magical privileged nepo baby you want a cool magical school <laughs> well we're here to take you to strange academy right in the heart of the french quarter on bourbon street that's right you can learn how to cast spells with a giant while eating fresh vignettes that's how we like to roll here on detecting the marvelous uh, oh but- <laughs> that was so good <laughs> yeah that was perfect <laughs> Well, I am joined, uh, Matt Ardill, I'm joined by my co-host, Dan and Shahara. Um, welcome, uh, Shahara. This is your first episode as a full-fledged team member, so Woo-hoo! thank you for being on board. Woo! Thank you so um, much. My heart is so full. I can feel it growing <laughs> as we do each episode, and oh, this is brilliant. Thank you so much. Shahara, uh, you're like you. a new Avenger. You're, you know, joining the team. Oh yeah. yeah, and so if you like, had to be a, if you had to be a, a young Avenger, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I I might be. I I know. I don't know if it's a cop, but I would love to be Wiccan. I think that he's so cool. Mm, um, yeah. you could have like a twin brother as well. I think that would be sick, and like a little uh, bit of a sorcerer. I, I would I would choose Wiccan. I think. A good choice. Right. It's a good choice. Um. Okay. So. Dan, you were going to tell us a little bit about the history of Doctor Strange and the Strange Academy. Yeah. And so actually, so I focused more on Strange Academy. Um, and then actually, uh, and also Scotty Young, who uh, wrote yeah. it. And uh, there'll be some uh, New Orleans trivia. And actually, I did a bit more on Doctor Voodoo uh, because mm-hmm. he seems to appear more in uh, Strange Academy. But yeah, so here I'll start off. Strange Academy was written by Scotty Young, who at the time was actually more well known for being an artist, but I believe he'd also written some for Deadpool and he had done a lot of art for Deadpool and he'd collaborated with a lot of great writers. I think he and Neil Gaiman have projects on the go, Um, but this was the first time where he wanted to lean into writing like a whole new world and a new fantastic place we'd never seen, New Orleans uh and also strange academy um which was actually inspired by a trip to new orleans for his 40th birthday uh Mm. and he got really inspired by the history and the folklore surrounding magic and the mystic arts and voodoo in new orleans which i think really does make it the perfect setting for a superhero magic school uh my wife and i actually went to new orleans for our honeymoon uh so it has like a that setting has a special place in my heart, and I always get really excited when I see the movie that was like filmed or it takes place in New Orleans. And we went on a one of our we did a couple tours, and one of them was this spiritual cemetery tour, where you really see like this culture and this voodoo and so on, very much, uh, and other different elements of like magic and uh, mysticism, very much like as a central part of New Orleans culture and history. Uh, so first, I'm going to talk about New Orleans. Uh, it is actually one of the few places in the U.S. where African spirituality was preserved throughout the centuries because of how um, religious Louisiana was under French and Spanish rule, uh, Catholic rule. Everyone had Sundays off. 
So that even included uh, the slaves. So a lot of West African slaves were able to practice their spiritual uh, ceremonies in Congo Square in Armstrong Park in the Treme neighborhood on Sundays, as well as there are certain sections of City Park, which is like this huge, it's like Central Park, but for uh, New Orleans, it's this massive, big, beautiful park. Um, And so those traditions, a lot of them merged with Haitian spirituality uh, that came from in uh, in the late 1790s and early 1800s, and also merged with Catholicism. So there is this interesting, like very like, there's a mix of like very religious and spiritual uh, inspirations in uh, New Orleans that has given the city its very unique vibe and preserved these influences and traditions from the voodoo kings and queens of the 1800s, uh, which I think is really cool because, I mean, as a kid, whenever, like in cartoons, like voodoo was always like, ooh, this like weird like pincushion thing where like someone like, you know, would have an effigy and they poke it and then all of a sudden like your eyes turn red and you become a zombie serving whoever is like, you know, poking the pins in your body. But it, there is it, like that's such like, a, I think a, it is kind of like a very like basic and like ignorant Westerner view of it. And there is like a lot of really beautiful spiritual aspects of it, uh, which actually I think kind of gets captured a bit in The Princess and the Frog. If anyone's seen that, another New Orleans uh, set uh, play or um, piece of pop culture. Uh, So one thing that is really interesting about Strange Academy is that the main characters are all fairly new. Uh, Even there's the main villains, the Hollow, which I know Shahara will talk about. But um, like they're they're all new. So there are some established characters like Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch and Doctor Voodoo. But for the most part, they're uh, kept in the background or, you know, they only play they only show up a little bit here and there. And for the most part, aren't active in the main um, story. And it really is about these kids who are very adjacent to other uh, character, other main characters. Uh, so that I thought was actually really cool and really refreshing to like explore all new characters and set up a whole new, yeah, like mythology amongst them and expand previous mythologies. I can see why Disney Plus is developing this as a possible TV. TV show because really is that true? Oh, I didn't know that. That'd so, be awesome. Like, I don't know. It's not for sure, for sure, whatever. And I think it's just something that they've like written that they've been talking about over an uh over time. But yeah, like it, you could see it so cool. It would like, make sense. It would make total sense. Yeah, absolutely. Even like online, like people are saying that Emily Bright is just one of those characters that would really translate well to the screen, and I totally agree. Absolutely. I think like you could and immediately like you'd have kids want like people wanting like Emily Bright action figures. And I think in the same way that like, um, you know, like the way Ms. Marvel was introduced in a TV show and then became perfect ready for like the Marvels and to be thrown into the like cinematic uh, film universe. I think similarly, like that would be a great way to you could introduce Emily Bright and it'd be so cool to see her interactions, you know, with. um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Dormammu, blanking yeah, on Doyle, his first Doyle, Doyle, yeah, Doyle, yeah. Dormammu, and stuff like that. Like that would be so fun because it could be like it really could be a great like adjacent to the uh, films, and then a great way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Emily Bright, I think, would be such a cool lead character, and you could see how she would be, and you know, you get the right actress, and yeah, it would be perfect, instant hit. 
um anyhow um but yeah i could go on and on about like how i would <laughs> if i were if i got to be the showrunner of uh strange academy I've um, had so many thoughts about it. Like my mind, like especially it started obviously like not even to like just get into it, but like at the very beginning when Emily brings back her dog from the dead, I could see how so many uh, people in the Marvel universe, including the Scarlet Witch herself in this current MCU would use that to their advantage and mm-hmm. how that would be a very interesting plot point. So For sure. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot because that's kind of what drew me to um, Emily Bright and how I found strange academy as kind of a fluke i was like what is a character that i feel like i can really relate to that one day i might want to act as so um so mm, i found yeah, out like, absolutely i it was For very sure. interesting and then i fell in love with her and the series and and I, I was already such a doctor strange fan so it was really great getting into into this and feeling like i could relate to it especially because i think i'm the perfect age for like this kind of genre of book it was it was gorgeous actually i really enjoyed it yeah oh that's yeah that's really cool and absolutely like i totally get that reading it like it's and because she's only and like the character is only a few years old because this was like 2020 2019 when it was coming in so yeah yeah it's very new um so actually i'd like to do um i'll do just a little brief history of dr voodoo who i didn't know as much about like i've read dr strange and you know, Scarlet Witch stuff, but I hadn't really read up about Dr. Voodoo, whose backstory is very steeped in actual Haitian voodoo spirituality, including uh, stuff like the Loa and the Zobop. I apologize. I really tried to look up the proper pronunciation, so I hope I've gotten that right. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, you know, like a like it, like it, it's a, you know, fictional character and all of these, you know, fictional powers, but the inspirations are very much steeped in actual like voodoo uh, spirituality, which I thought was very, uh, very cool. It makes it, I think, more interesting. And so Jericho Drum is his uh, birth name, and he came from a family that was very involved in the cult, but he actually left it behind uh, and went from his native Haiti to the U.S. to study psychology. And his brother Daniel stays behind to study the occult, and then Jericho returns to defend his brother when he's on death's door, possessed by a demon, and almost dies. And so he studies voodoo under Papa Jambo and becomes Brother Voodoo, the Lord of the Loire, and defender of the downtrodden. And there's, I mean, he goes through a lot of history. Uh, and um, it'd be cool to, you know, maybe even bring up, like, a, go over to a Dr. Voodoo uh, episode, one of his issues or something uh, in the future. Because uh, I'm definitely going to want to read more about him. But uh, the short version is he eventually gets his hands on the Eye of Akamoto and then becomes the su- uh, Sorcerer Supreme uh, instead of Doctor Strange. And then that's when he starts becoming Doctor Voodoo instead of Brother Voodoo. I guess like the uh, uh, getting the Eye of Akamoto was his like Voodoo PhD like, project. <laughs> so, to speak. so then that's when he's like, Please, Brother Voodoo, that's my brother. I'm Dr. Voodoo now. <laughs> and I, th- I believe like the spirit of his dead brother, Daniel, also then becomes part of him and helping him uh, in his occult powers. And so just before Strange Academy, there was this destruction of magic and then uh, later on followed by a restoration of magic, which inspires Dr. Strange and uh, Dr. Voodoo to then start Strange Academy and 
teach these new the next generation of uh mystical arts practicers and uh that's how and that's when it takes us to uh, strange academy absolutely brilliant i think he's such a, an underrated character and i think that if we like focused on him that's there's so much story to be told and he's he's an incredible character and really takes I don't know, takes the spotlight in this one it, amongst the teachers who don't. Yeah, it's not really about them in this one, but Dr. Voodoo really stands out for sure. Yeah. And I kept thinking, I was like, who would I fan cast as Dr. Voodoo? Who Ooh. would you think? That's a good one. Because I was thinking the same thing I was reading. Who do you think is a good good candidate? What do you think? I mean, so <laughs> I was thinking like initially like Marsha Ali, uh, but he's yeah. already going to be Blade. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see like Lakeith Stanfield, even though he's maybe a bit young for that role but also just i've been waiting for lakeith stanfield to join the mcu and like i've heard like fan casting rumors of him being maybe silver surfer or something who knows wow. uh but uh yeah i don't know yeah that's hard I, I mean part of me would want to get somebody related to the haitian community because this mm. is so tied to yes. the myths and lore there it'd be good to get somebody who actually has some connection to it to represent like, it. Like if Wyclef Jean, I don't know if he can act, but like yeah. I could actually see like if Wyclef Jean, if, bleh, pardon me, if Wyclef Jean has any acting chops, I know he's very connected to his Haitian community, yeah. his Haitian ancestry, yeah. and so that would be kind of cool to see. And he's about the right age now, I think. So yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's just like, like one of the things I like about Brother slash Doctor Voodoo is he's kind of a nice foil to Stephen. Like he's much more responsible and grounded, whereas Steven's very devil may care. So the two of them opening a school together is kind of like a cool vibe <laughs> going in. Um, well, Chara, if what you want to fill in the listeners on the plot of the, uh, the, 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 the run that we read. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we start off uh, with a letter written to Doctor Strange by the main character, Emily Bright. And she's coming to terms with the fact that she has always had superpowers um, to the point where one day she's walking her dog and um, the dog unfortunately gets into an accident and passes away, but she has the ability to bring it back to life. And that's when um, she gets a visit from somebody named Zelma Stanton. I believe that's her last name, Zelma Stanton. And, um, and it's almost like a Hagrid coming into the shack to tell yeah. Harry that you're a wizard and you're going to come to Hogwarts. Um, and so, yeah, so they go through a door and are brought to New Orleans where uh, she is going to attend the Strange Academy and meets a whole bunch of different characters from all over. All I, I don't even know what to call it, like all over the, the universe, all over the world. We have Asgardians, Jotunheim, uh, Weird Worldians. Um, it feels like almost this crossover event, um, which is really, really in incredible. And it's all centered around these young sorcerers who don't quite know how to use their powers, but know that they have potential. And then we follow them going to each of their classes. And um, the names of their classes are quite fun. And I'm going to go open to my page where uh, they're all listed. They're, it's like Inferno 101, yeah. they're Advanced Astral Projecting, Creative Spellcasting. Um, and of course, it's a high school or, or a boarding school, really. So they have a gym. They have a PE class, of course. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of competition between each of them, just like how any other uh, 
teen, I guess, comic or teen story would. Um, and let's see. Um, can you tell that I prepared? No, I'm just <laughs> um, <laughs> until uh, the abilities of these young people are caught by the eye of this tree-like uh, evil creature called the Hollow. Um, so mm-hmm. one day during a game of door tag, uh, one of the young kids named Calvin goes missing. Um, and is held hostage by the hollow. And then at the end, there's uh, this big battle, and the students realize that they might not be as strong as their teachers might have made them seem that they were. Um, and that goes into a whole thing. Um, I don't know how much we're gonna spoil or talk about it now, but that's that's basically the the first the first run of Strange Academy. So yeah. Right. I I one of the things I liked about this because like. I'm really into like Hellblazer and all of that in the DC side of the comic universe where they have a very rich history with magic. I always felt magic was kind of underserved in Marvel with like the mutants and the inhumans uh, taking up a lot of the air when it comes to storytelling and Doctor Strange sort of and was really the only big magic character of note. And he was kind of relegated to the background a lot of the times, whereas this really pushes it forward. Um, you know, and you've got mutants who use magic, like Nico and uh and magic. Um <laughs> you got like regular people, like Zelma was a librarian. Like, yeah, like her mood is like I'm like, when did Zelma get these powers? I'm I because I read the her introduction where she was just like an NYU librarian and got like psychic maggots in her brain and <laughs> went to dr strange who took them out and then he hired her to be his librarian in the sanctum sanctorum mm-hmm. so she went from that to being this kick-ass spellcaster, uh yeah. which i was like oh, that's a, it's a cool development she has like this background where she and loki something went down like something there, definitely went down between them and i was like do i need to like, give you guys some rooms yeah, yeah she's just like you know take a shower boy kind of thing so it was an interesting dynamic there too where she's just like i'm having none of your nonsense yeah. um but yeah i i i think just felt it felt grounded it felt realistic like the teens felt realistic like yeah i, I know i joked about harry potter off the top and i know harry potter takes up a big part of pop culture especially around this kind of thing but i felt these felt like more identifiable characters than yes. the, the harry potter characters like Absolutely. and I, I have to say it, like um eric and doyle if if th- their dynamic is is fun and if doyle and emily didn't hook up i was totally my money was on those two hooking up yeah <laughs> so it's like they're just so hate each other they want to kiss yeah <laughs> But it I also that yeah. no, like no, that rivalry. Ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say like that rivalry also felt more like very much like teenagerish, like yeah. fighting sort of bitter ban- like uh, banter in this in a much more like sort of nuanced and realistic way than like you'd get between like Harry and Malfoy or something yeah. like that, where it is <clears throat> a bit more like, like good cartoonish. boy versus evil boy. Yeah. yeah, and I think the thing with those two that nailed it for me was there's this one panel where they're drawn and they have both have skinny jeans on. They both Mm -hmm. have the exact same shoes. They're the same dude, but they're just like 
only one of us can be the coolest kid in class. Right. And they, neither of them wants to back down from the, that. that and, it, uh, and it's that almost claim. like there's like a cultural bigotry. Like it's like my dad says our guardians are bad. And like my dad says Dramamuans are bad. Or like, yeah. 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 And then you find out like there's like you can see that they're like slightly learning more about each other and like understanding each other. But no one's going to like outrightly be like, oh, OK, fine. We're friends now or anything like that. Like. So it's no like big happy magic like 180 turn, but there's like a slight more understanding. And I think Doyle's obvious crush on Emily is very cute and very sweet and also very realistic. Like in high school where like everyone knows you have a crush, but like Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to say it out loud kind of thing because I don't know what to do about it. And and it serves this great diversity in cast um, Mm -hmm. because you have like fairies, you have. Now Gus is so wonderful. Is <laughs> Gus know? the weird, weird world? And Gus is, it, is no, the, the Jotunheim well, Gus is the, frost the very big one. Yeah. Frost giant. Yeah, frost yeah. giant from Jotunheim. So, I love yeah. Gus. Yeah. yeah. Like Gus is such a sweetheart. And I think that I mean like obviously it's a school, but it it's I find it so cute that Gus can still participate in the classes. He just has to listen from outside through the window. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is actually quite accommodating for like each of their students, which I thought was really, really sweet. Yeah. yeah. It is very much, it's like very like a pro accessibility, like magic school. That's which what I like, oh, this is really, really forward thinking. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was also going to say um, also, like, I think like Emily's parents' reaction, it was very realistic too, because it is yeah. like your daughter's magic. It's like, uh, what? No, what? <laughs> like a regular, normal daughter. And then it's like, you know, like, please, parents. You know, I like, you know, this is what I want. This will help me. Like, don't you think this would be a good idea? And then, like, they actually are very reasonable instead of just being like disowning her, like, for being magical. Like, it actually was, oh, that's like a really supportive, thoughtful parental approach. Understandable to be like, you know, a bit nervous at first, but then to like go for it and support their daughter. Yeah. And, and there, the variety of facts, like, you got like Desi. Um, who's like knows everybody's secret and is like yeah. this like kind of like emo gothy kind of energy going on and Zoe and, that, and like they didn't drag on the mystery like by the end of this arc you get the backstory there but and mm. and she was actually speaking Creole in there as well yeah because, I mean she's a voodooan and the voodoo priestess um so when she confronts the woman who accidentally like clipped off a piece of Doyle's soul or whatever that brother voodoo is like, we'll send somebody around to clean this up. Um, you know, she, she, I, the translation is bad, but I ran it through a Creole to English on Google translate. And, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, Google translates never great, but it was, it was Creole and it was like oh, nice cool. that they're integrating that culture like like the hollow as well it felt like um, a myth that could come out of the bayou you know all of it feels grounded in that area um not just like you you look back at like dr strange and he's got some pretty problematic roots with like the ancient (laughs) one and stuff where it's like there's some big white savior cultural appropriation energy going on here Mm. whereas this didn't that vibe it felt much more respectful it felt more 
like it was honoring these myths and traditions in their own setting. Yeah, yeah. It felt unapologetic, especially culturally. I mean, obviously we have people that are from Weird World, like Thoth. Like it, it doesn't really matter where you're from. But then yeah. we have people like Herman, who is from Mexico and has like and was seen as um like what they call like sorcerers uh, and stuff in like Mexican culture and um yeah. celebrated here. And I, I it, it just and then we have Asgardians, of course, and that we we end up in like later issues, like learning who like I think that um the the mother of Adric and Eirik are is this is the sorceress um yes I have that correct and that was really cool so I I, I don't know it was okay. I, it felt effortlessly diverse in a in a world where it literally didn't matter because like we're in New Orleans everybody's from everywhere it's I don't know it felt really realistic it's like the people that I went to high school with I don't know for sure and, absolutely and, and I love that they have phys ed because yes. everybody has to feel uncomfortable and sweaty at high school <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, it's great. Like, I think like the way it is, is just sort of because, yeah, I grew up in Mississauga. So in my Mississauga yeah. high school, it was like everyone from literally everywhere. Uh, and it didn't feel like a forced diversity, like, all right, now we have to have them. Like, it's just sort of this like, ooh, what are like different cultures around the world where they have like, you know, some sort of like mystic arts in their mythology or their folklore or whatever? How can we incorporate that? And so I think that... Uh, was really good because also if it's like and like because this is like it's not just even like the best of earth this is like the best of all the universes and like the planes of reality so you have like the son of dormammu with the asgardians and like you know with you know like a mexican boy and also yeah like you know a creole voodooan and all that and so everyone's all mixed together yeah. And one of the things I really enjoyed too is not only drawing from like real life mythology, like Mexican, um, Mesoamerican mm-hmm. magic, which is you know, what, what we get there, and also voodooin and stuff. We also like have some fun, like you've got Man Thing teaching basically herbology. You've yeah, got yeah. Uh, <laughs> magic, at, who's like, well, it's all like one of my favorite new mutants, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. she was so freaking cool. And I, I'm sad that the new mutant movie didn't do better um, because like, what's her face? Um, Queen's Gambit. Oh, uh, Anya uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. She was like the perfect casting as magic, like just has mm-hmm. that cold energy of somebody who spent their entire childhood growing up in hell. Uh, like just yeah. the cold, cold, gla- like glassy glaze uh like stare um but then you also have like nico who i feel there's a parallel here um because nico um was one of the runaways and these were like the children of super villains who thought their parents were superheroes who all wanted to be avengers and that was kind of it's unfortunate because that would have mean that there was a tv show it only ran for a couple of seasons really well cast but it was the old Marvel TV regime. Uh, so it's just dead in the water along with like Cloak and Dagger and all of these other other shows. Um, but like you have like an, a person who's got to be like maybe at this point in their early 20s. So just like a young teacher. So it's a very identifiable and it plays into her powers as well. Like she's magical improvisation. She can't cast the same spell twice. Like she can cast anything but she can never cast the same spell twice. So she has to improvise every time she wants to do something magical. 
Mm-hmm. So you have her teaching this class about magic improvisation kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of they, they've, they've thought through. It's not just like, let's throw a character in, but it's like, let's make a, a connection to like these maybe lesser known characters or or secondary characters or characters that have fallen by the wayside in a way that's meaningful which is great it's just it's just it's a well thought out well conceived and the little touches too like the um application forms at the back of every uh, of the oh, different yes. or the i i'm if we have a hangout next time we have a hangout i am going to make the food from the back of that one episode yeah. one issue the, the gumbo and the beignets. i won't make gumbo because that's a bit shrimpy for me but uh i will i will make like the vignettes and yeah. the breakfast burritos there's it a looks great, really like, good i mean yeah there's a great like email inbox one at the end that has like yes. scarlet witch sending you like a girl's night out email and stuff like that like, like yeah. carol danvers <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me think, like, what is this world? Like, do do they all hang out? Like, and and Pietro sending like this long email to Wanda, and I know it just really mm-hmm. flushes out this universe that we're living in, and it and it's it's really really fun. Yeah, six yeah. seasons in a movie, I say. Yes, six seasons in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we wrap it up, anything, anybody, any last thoughts? Anybody wants to share on on Strange Academy? not really no this is just one of my favorite things and i will say it, it, it's the thing that launched me into like my love of comics so thank you for, right. for doing it such justice with your with your with your explorations guys thank you nice. well like thanks for bringing attention to it because i'm like starting then now to like read the next volumes because uh yeah it's like it's hard i find in a new to like bring in like a new world or whatever when there's so many of these established ones but I think they just found like a great way to do it. And yeah, I, I can't wait to read more about these characters. Of course. All right. Well, uh, this has been Detecting the Marvelous. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here and showbizmonkeys.com co-production. Their producers are Dan Rosen, Matt Dill, and Shahara Ghaznabi. Music by Glenn Bouchamp, and art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!